Welcome to Stories to Run To. My name is Kyle, and I made this podcast so that the people of the world can have a place to listen to fun stories while also running to awesome beats. The theme of this episode is Crazy Landlords. The stories were all written while I was living in Victoria, British Columbia. I hope that they entertain and keep you moving. He's got me figured out. A week ago, Steve, my 60-something-year-old landlord who lives in the bedroom next to mine, accosted me while I was heating up a piece of pizza he had saved for me. Kyle, he said, cornering me against the microwave. I've been thinking about how you've asked to have your sister come stay here for a few days. His tone was cool, but not cold, like that part of the refrigerator you store vegetables in. Uh, yeah? I responded. I remembered the conversation well, as it had occurred only yesterday. Steve had asked for a day to think about it. Well, this is a shared house. He stood up straight, as if he'd rehearsed this speech in the mirror. Gordon and I work, and we can't have you keeping us up until two in the morning. He gestured to the house around him. We all have to respect this place. One more person means more water and electricity being used. It means more people in the bathroom. He jabbed a finger at me. And you know, I've been asking myself, how do I know this girl's even your sister? I backed further into the counter behind me. Is it your sister, Kyle? Are you trying to sneak some girl into your room? I'm not running a hostel here. I stared blankly at him, my mind struggling to build some sort of response. He continued. I don't know what kind of people you're bringing into my house. They could be drug dealers for all I know. He tapped his forehead knowingly. I know when I'm being fucked with, so don't mess with me. Others have, and the next thing they know, they're out on the sidewalk with all their shit. Steve, I said, shaking my head. I'm not quite sure where this is coming from. My mind was still at the start of his tower of accusations. Have I woken you up at 2 a.m.? To my knowledge, I had never come home later than 10. Not yet. He tapped his temple again but I've got you figured out. Even though you're 25, you've still got a wild side to you. It's only a matter of time before that big key in your back needs to be wound up again. He wound a giant imaginary key in the air between us as I watched his hands in bewilderment. And then boom, you're off. Uh, I didn't know what to say. I don't feel like I have a wild side beyond enjoying untamed wilderness. Uh, Steve, I'm sorry if I've done something to offend you. I've seen more people like you than you can imagine, Steve said, his finger pointed at my chest. I've got you figured out. And then he turned and left. I heard the lock click as he went into his bedroom. I took my pizza out of the microwave. It had gone cold again. I wasn't sure if my sister could stay or not, but it did not sound good. Steve's son. Did you ever have any kids? Yeah. 
Steve sat up perfectly straight and slapped his hands palm down on the table, his Thanksgiving meal forgotten. A lady friend and I raised a kid together right here in this very house. He motioned with a slight nod towards the room I was renting from him, as if to hint that it had once belonged to the memory of his very kid. We all waited a moment in silence. Steve sat staring at his food, both palms still down on the table. The silence started to become tangible, like the smell coming off of the Thanksgiving turkey. Nobody moved. I was just about to bring up a cheerier topic when Steve began again. We did a good job raising him. Then one day I found out that he was the biggest drug dealer in the neighborhood. The guy had two cars, a motorcycle, a boat, no job. Was selling drugs right under my nose. His tone was conversational but tight, like discussing the wind while standing on a tightrope. I didn't want anything to do with him after that. Told him so myself. He never stepped foot in this house again. Across from me, Gordon, the other renter in the house, nodded and shoveled a big spoonful of potatoes into his mouth, as if this was an appropriate time to eat. Steve continued, eyes still boring into his plate. I saw the guy a few years later walking downtown. He was all clean-shaven and wearing nice clothes, and he hugged me, told me he'd fixed himself up, had a wife and kids, a real job, told me he was sick of prison and being in trouble. He asked me to go out for dinner with him. He looked up at us slowly. I can smell bullshit. He tapped his head with his finger. I know when someone's lying to me, when there's something sick and wrong underneath them, I can sense it. He said each word as if reading it off of a separate billboard. I'll have nothing to do with the guy. We raised him good, but he ended up rotten. The last word seemed to hang in the air over the Thanksgiving dinner, fouling the food below it. We all sat in silence. Even Gordon stopped eating. Suddenly, Steve slapped the table again, his face splitting into a toothy smile. Now who wants dessert? We all laughed, nervous, uneasy laughter that tasted like the memory of Steve's long-lost son. I had a sudden urge to excuse myself and go casually check for vacant apartments. Apartment hunting. When I told Steve I was moving out, he stared at me in silence. When are you leaving? He finally asked. Uh, probably mid-November. It was a few days before Halloween. But I'll pay for the whole month. Why not November 1st? He shot back. I tried to think of an answer that wasn't just, that's in four days. But eventually I shrugged and said, yeah, sure, I guess I could be out by then. Good. My main method of searching was to put a personal advertisement online. I put it all over the internet, and though I also sent out messages, my best leads came in from the ad. Roommates wanted! Creative! Musical! Easy going! My face smiled out from the screen, and the ad listed everything remotely wonderful about me. One by one, the messages came in. The first roommate I met up with was named Kaylee, and she sounded normal in her emails. Hi, 
I'm moving to Vic, and I would love a cool roommate. You seem awesome. Let's meet up. We met in the park, and she spotted me first. I hadn't guessed that she would have a buzz cut from the messages. She had come to Victoria to attend the Holistic Energy Friendly University, though if she didn't get into the school, her backup plan was the Yogi Reiki Nutrition Company that she was the owner and sole employee with. So far, no deal breakers for me. The first discussion was food. I am as casual as you can get with food. As long as there are eggs and toast in the house, I'm happy. She told me that she had a strange relationship with food. She could hardly eat anything and would often be sick, depending on the conflicting energies of the ingredients. For a time, she had tried just not eating, like no food at all. This did not work out as well as she hoped, and she ended up being hospitalized for a while. Now, she was at a point where she could eat certain things depending on the mood of the day. I listened to this information cautiously. Sure, it was strange, but at least I wouldn't have to worry about her taking any of my food. She had probably just started the roommate interview with the intense stuff, and it would get lighter from there. I was wrong. Kaylee continued to reveal a portrait of a naturalist kind of girl, uh, which I have no problem with. I was even starting to feel like we could maybe be roommates, until the final question that I asked. Is there anything else that I should know? Uh, well, she said after a thought, have you heard of Balxa? Well, it's total disassociation of your body into a 100% energy, she told me as if that explained everything. I asked her if she could maybe elaborate a little bit. I didn't want to live with someone who may dissociate into an energy being at any moment. It started when I was in Hawaii and eating anything anybody gave me, which my body did not react well to. I presume she meant lots of drugs. Anyway, one day my body disassociated. And what is that like? I asked her. Do you not feel anything like your body just doesn't belong to you? She looked at me quizzically as if I was the weird one. No, she continued to explain. You know the feeling when you meditate and scan your body and if you stay in one place for a long time, it begins to tingle and you can just feel the raw energy? I did not know this feeling, but I nodded anyways. Well, it's that all over your body all the time. It's hard to explain. She shook her head. You have no more physical boundaries because you're not physical anymore. I thanked her for telling me that. It was certainly something that a prospective roommate needed to know. I was planning on how to say goodbye when she continued. Once I got my body back, I also had a few issues. The story was apparently not done. Pretty soon I discovered I'd gotten leaky gut, she told me, pointing at her stomach. I'd weakened my boundaries and my body responded with a weak stomach lining, so now my stomach acid leaks into the rest of my body. She poked her stomach again. Leaky gut. Hmm, I said. Leaky gut leads to leaky skin, she said. And that leads to leaky brain. She poked her head. And that's how I got eczema and paranoia. I waited for her to tell me what else was leaky, but she was finished. Once again, I thanked her for being so honest. We chatted amicably for a bit longer before saying goodbye. I didn't want it to seem like her leakiness had scared me off. I decided not to call her back.
Sometimes the place they were offering was too far out of town or too expensive, or the person themselves just didn't seem like a good fit, and other times they sounded downright crazy. My favorite email was from a lady called Claire. In my ad, I had said that I was allergic to cats. Thus, I was looking for a cat-free area. Claire sent me this lovely message. Too bad about the cat allergy. I talked myself out of being allergic by reconditioning my brain. If things change for you, I'm a great roommate, and you might be perfect. And then in brackets, except for my cat. Dot 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 dot. Close brackets. Attached was a picture of a middle-aged woman happily holding a very grumpy white cat. Though it would be nice to not be allergic to cats anymore, I don't know if I want Claire to recondition my brain. I guess there's always a chance that she was the perfect roommate for me, but I suppose I'll never know. The next prospect was a fellow called Brett. I'd been talking to his landlord on the phone, and the place sounded ideal, until I discovered the one problem with the place. Brett. He met me at the door, a rumpled middle-aged man wearing sweatpants and a dirty t-shirt. He looked like he'd slept on a beach last night. When he shook my hand, it came away slightly sticky. I'm a simple guy, he told me as we got in the elevator. I guess in a nutshell, all my friends chose wives and families, and I decided to go with video games. He chuckled as he unlocked the doors. Guess how old I am. I guessed 30 to be polite. 42! I know! I have young genes. The apartment was nice. His big TV was the centerpiece. A video game paused on the screen. He led the tour, stopping out on the balcony. I really love this balcony, he told me. I usually smoke out here. Are you cool with weed? I nodded. Cool. The landlord doesn't know, so keep it on the DL. He looked around happily at his little haven. Yeah, it's chill here. I pretty much work in a game, he laughed to himself. Though things get a bit different here on the weekend, but it's all good. I asked him what happened on weekends. Oh, I just get really high and play video games all day. I thanked Brett for his time but didn't quite feel like we would be a good fit. There were many more evenings spent with all sorts of people, interesting occasions where we both looked appraisingly at each other, trying to figure out if we could manage to live in the same house as this complete stranger. There were good prospects and bad, great houses and apartments more like caves. I eventually felt like I was running some sort of house hunting marathon. Each evening I would come home exhausted, ignoring Steve, I had decided to leave mid-November, which he was not thrilled about, and arranged the meetings for the next day's prospective housemates. Finally, I found a roommate. She had everything I was looking for, except a room. But we met up, and I felt like we jived in every way needed. So we decided to enter the hunt together, and from then on, I had a partner in the search. One day, we found an apartment that felt perfect. More importantly, the landlady really liked us, and was willing to rent, though we were both students, had no jobs, and had only met a week before. I was all set to settle in Victoria for at least in the next year. Until suddenly I wasn't. While we were waiting for the landlady to decide if we were the right fit for her great apartment, my new roommate kept on hunting, which is when she found the perfect place. For one person. I received the phone calls at the same time. We had gotten confirmation on the apartment, but my roommate had taken the one bedroom. I phoned the landlady back and canceled our request. 
Luckily, I had lots of friends in Victoria. I decided to crash on couches for a few months before I moved away forever. Detergent. I was getting the sense that Steve was avoiding me. In the week before I was supposed to move out, I had only seen him in flashes, which honestly suited me fine. Until I needed to talk to him about being a landlord reference. My opportunity came while doing laundry. I had loaded it into the machine and was searching for the communal detergent, which wasn't there. I knew it had been full a few days earlier. It lived right next to the skipping rope, and knowing I had to do laundry, I checked during my last workout, and it had been at least three quarters full. And now, it was mysteriously missing. My first thought was that Steve had hidden the detergent. I knew this idea was childish, but it lingered nonetheless. My second thought, to my credit, was that I would go buy him some new detergent as a peace offering for whatever imagined reason he was avoiding me. And so I went to talk to Steve. His door was ajar, but I knocked anyways. Come in, Steve said. I decided to stay in the hall and talk through the crack in the door. Uh, hey Steve, I'm heading out to buy some detergent. We're all out downstairs. Is there any particular kind you like? Oh yeah, detergent, he said from in the room. I could see him laying out on his bed, head propped up with pillows so he could stare at the television with minimal effort. I meant to buy some more. Uh, yeah, yeah, no problem. Which kind do you use? I'll go buy you a new one. Oh no, it's okay, he said. Just get a little one for you. He grunted and then added, and take it when you leave. No, I don't mind, Steve. I used a bunch. I'll just get you a new one as a going away gift. It was true. I really didn't mind. No, no, no. Steve sort of shook his head. Just get your own, and don't forget it when you go. Uh, well, all right. He really didn't want me to buy him detergent. My mind jumped to the first hypothesis, but I had more important matters to attend to. Ah, uh, hey Steve, well, I have you talking. I just need to make sure that everything is still okay for me moving out next week. An affirming grunt came from in the room. And is it okay if I use you as a reference since you're my last landlord? You may get a few calls, uh, I've been doing some pretty intense apartment hunting the last few days. Yeah, I know. He slid off the bed and came to the door, sliding out of the room and closing the door solidly behind him. I took a step back. Sure, you can use me as a reference. I'll sell you to him. Cool, thanks Steve. I adventured into one of those Steve interactions that I can never quite predict how it's going to end up. I knew you were moving out, he said. I knew it right away, too. He tapped his temple with his finger. Uh, yep. I turned to go. I saw your little ad, he said. I stopped and turned back. Your Craigslist ad about wanting to find roommates. I found it right away. Gordon and I have been having a good laugh about it. My ad was not meant to be a secret. It was simply a roommate's wanted post that advertised me as the best person to live with ever. I had put it all over the internet. Uh, yep, I responded. I've been getting a lot of messages from it. 
I bet you have, he said, staring at me. It's almost impossible to find a house nowadays. Rental market is at 0.1%, you know. Lots of people are ending up on the street. Uh, yeah, I've looked at a place every day this week, and lots of people are interested. I'm not too worried, Steve. I'm just saying. Steve shrugged and turned to go. Good luck finding something. His tone was not well-wishing. The door closed unusually hard behind him, and again, I heard the click of the lock. I stood there a moment. Yet another Steve conversation had ended with a strangely cutting remark, but at least he was going to be my reference. I left to go buy some detergent. The next day I went downstairs and found the original bottle of detergent sitting back in its spot, still three quarters full, as though it had never moved. Goodbye, Steve. It was a few weeks later. I was staying at a friend's place when my phone rang. Unknown caller. Uh, hello? This is Kyle Siemens? Hello! This is a guy by the name of Steve! I couldn't place the voice, despite its ominous familiarity. Hello, Steve, I said cheerfully. You are about to get a reality check. A reality check? Suddenly, the voice and its message clicked. Steve, my old landlord, who is definitely not named Steve. I'd posted the stories on my blog, and he had found them. Hey, uh, listen, click. The line went dead. I sat there for a minute, staring at the phone in my hands. After a moment, I noticed they were trembling. What had just happened? A reality check? Steve had found the stories. I've changed his names and have left out any distinguishing facts, but he'd found them, and he did not seem particularly happy about the whole thing. Okay, I took a deep breath while my mind filled with possibilities. Could he sue me? For libel or slander or whatever it's called? I doubted it. Plus, they were true. Sure, they weren't exactly flattering, but it wasn't like I'd made them as a going away present for the guy. I live by the writer's code. Live and report. I loaded up the stories again to see what exactly he had against me. They made him look like a psychopath, though I had not said anything untrue, which is when I began to wonder, what else might Steve do? There were a lot of ways to give people reality checks, like by giving an axe into the back of their skull while they're walking home late at night. I went over the checklist. He didn't know where I was living. He didn't know my future plans. Beyond my phone number, he didn't have any personal information, except that he must, because how else did he find my stories? Had Steve been Googling my name nightly since I left, suspecting that something of this sort would happen? Or did he possibly know where I lived and was just waiting for the right time? I tried to block him on Facebook, but could find no profile, which raised more questions. His face appeared in my mind, the crazy glint in his eye flashing as he emerged from an alley. Okay, I sat quietly trying to figure out what in the world I could do. My mind was a complete blank.
So I called my mother. Using her magical mom powers, she assessed the situation, talked to a few people, and came back to me with the solution. He sounds like a lonely guy with nothing else to do or focus on. Cut off contact. My friends say he can't do anything. I figured she was right, but a part of me still wanted to maybe fix things. I considered calling Steve and apologizing, but then remembered his son's attempt at reconciliation. I decided the best option was just to avoid Steve for the rest of my life. Which so far has worked out great. I decided to take down the original stories. It didn't seem like a great idea to keep angering a man like Steve. And thankfully, he never delivered the dreaded reality check. In the end, I'm thankful for two things from the whole experience. Number one, that I got a great story. No matter how crazy things get, as a writer, you always know it'll at least make a good story. And number two, that I never had to use Steve as a landlord reference. I'm pretty sure that would not have gone well. And in the end, it worked out. I got a good story out of it. There you go, another The End Moment. I hope you enjoyed the stories and had a good workout. Now go cool down and I'll see you next time on Stories to Run To.